0: We come before you, Father, first to honor you and glorify you with all your names, your wonder-working names. We thank you that we have your names to call upon in a time of need, or just to worship you and to give you glory and praise and honor and thanksgiving because of who you are and all that you've done for us. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you in prayer with your word on behalf of certain situations that are going on in our nation that is necessary for people who are trying to live the, good, the life of faith and fight the good fight of faith. So, Father, on behalf of the government, we pray that they will be examples of righteousness in our society, that they will experience God's wisdom in their deliberations. That they will speak and carry out dealings with truth that they will not hinder the service and worship of Jesus Christ that they will come to know honor and follow Christ we pray for mothers hallelujah Jesus it is so necessary in this day that our mothers are are full with wisdom and knowledge of Jesus Christ in order to raise their children properly So we pray that god would refresh mothers in the honor and glory of motherhood that they would be strengthened with grace wisdom and love in serving their children that they would be loved protected and served by committed husbands that mothers will model and express god's own nurturing love thank you jesus and father we pray for the poor today thank you jesus We pray that the spiritual and physical needs of the poor will be met with dignity and stability. We pray that God will release them from cycles of oppression and despair so that the poor are transformed to become God's blessings for others. And we pray, Lord, that the gospel will go forth, bring conviction to the righteous and salvation to the unbelievers. And Father, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, only those things you want me to say in jesus name i pray amen praise the lord well we are in our, our new series in colossians this is part two uh the supremacy and adequacy of christ and we're really going to get into the scriptures today last week we just actually meditated on the uh introduction which to me was rich and good. (laughs) I really enjoyed that. So we're going to go to the scriptures and and, um, beginning with verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. So we all know that this is Paul along with Timothy, who are greeting the church of Colossae of Colossians. He says to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossi, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Isn't that a good feeling to know that somebody is always praying for you? Amen since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doeth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Now I'm going to do this in part because I intend to, go all the way to verse 20 to in completion, but we're going to do this in part. Now what's what's uh, uh, awing about the beginning of this uh, letter Paul is sending to the church of Colossian is that he is really dealing with what we read in, intro- in the introduction about how they're being misled and swayed from the foundation that he originally laid with them, and the other brethren who worked with him and labored with, with him in the various churches. And, and so all of this heathenistic uh, ministry and, and heretic stuff, people were coming, pulling them away. So what he's doing is reinforcing the foundation again in them and bringing them back to the remembrance of what was laid in them, so that they can stop straying away, amen? From these verses, especially uh, all the way up to 14, but I wanna just focus on the first six verses now, that, um, um, well, let me read what I had written last week, but I didn't get a chance to um, get to it. In these verses, one through 14, Paul's greeting to the churches is always a pronounced blessing of faith, encouragement, growth, understanding, and wisdom. Paul's greeting to the church is a pronounced blessing of faith, encouragement, growth, understanding, and wisdom, which is so necessary for us to be faithful Christians. But the revelation for him to even know that had to come from the Lord who inspired Paul to write to the church. Now, it, you know, it has to come, period, for any of us to speak on behalf of the Lord. But any time that you're in captivity for what you believe, you're in bondage for what you believe, but your thoughts, it's about the people and not you. That's an awesome person in Christ. And so for him to be concerned about them about their faith uh, being uplifted, that they're encouraged, that they're growing in understanding and wisdom of who Jesus Christ is while he is bound in prison is just so awesome to me. Amen. So you know he was inspired uh, by the Lord to write to the churches and to to inform them of what is expected of them as believers and how to have the victory over the spirit of darkness. That's what we have to really major in and focus in, in this day and age, how we're going to have victory over darkness, because darkness raging all over, and and people are affected in so many different ways. In this chapter, we're going to eventually get to the prayer that Paul and and his fellow workers are praying uh, for them. So what we're going to focus on and, and try to break each one of these uh, verses down. So when we go back again to, to the um, blessing uh, and the opening to the church, uh, and I want to go to verse 2, it says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which now when he's talking about the faithful brethren, he's talking about those who are serving the church of, of Colossae on his behalf. That's who he's talking about. He, he's talking to the saints, but he's also talking to those who were there to teach and to minister to cause the church to grow, which will be evangelists, okay? So he says, A grace be unto you and peace from our God and Father, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that verse one through two, the blessing of God's favor and peace spoken over the congregation. He was speaking favor and God's peace over the congregation, which is something that you need when we're facing crisis times in in, in the church age, but especially for them at that time because too many people were coming. You remember we read about the Judaizers, um, let me see, and, and some of the Christian Heretic, heretics information that was off. Uh, we also read ab- about paganism, so there were cults and and not a Christian cult, but Christianity that was in error, which is what we are living in today, amen. And and so they needed all of the peace and grace that they could get. Okay. And in and in verse. Three, Paul acknowledges that Timaeus was was interceding on behalf of the church. He was not just leading uh, and and, and equipping the church, but he was interceding on behalf of the church. Amen? Amen. And and then four and five, they were praying foundational prayers of love and hope and faith for the church. Uh, And verse six, they were praying for the discipleship of the saints. Fruit that that results from spiritual labor. See, that's the discipleship. This discipleship is that we're growing in the knowledge and understanding of Jesus. Therefore, we're able to uh, imitate, emulate who Jesus is so that his fruit will shine through us. Fruit don't come through us just because you happen to know what your spiritual ministry gift is, where it comes from is how are you handling it? How faithful you are? How much can God depend upon you to do the work of the ministry? The work of the ministry, not necessarily the work of the church. Okay, when I say the work of the ministry, because you remember what ministry comes for is to... Uh, remove burdens, and destroy yokes, okay? And so when our focus is in serving God but doing it through his people, those are the things that result from our faithfulness and our commitment unto the Lord. We have in this day and age of the church had the tendency or the thoughts to think that because we showed up, obedient for certain classes and services, we are faithful. Well, let me tell you, if you didn't show up, you couldn't do any ministry because you're showing up for service and class is for the equipping for you to go out and do the work of the ministry. Amen? You don't come to get fat on the gospel to sit on it. You come to receive it so that you can go out with it and help draw in unbelievers unto the Lord. Because when you first get that word, it's cutting. It says it's a two edged sword, so it's cutting. So it should be those that you give it out to to bring in a change. We are here for unbelievers to see who Jesus is, that's the whole purpose. And if we're not about that, then we're not about the gospel. We're not about uh, Jesus Christ. Amen? And so his main main, uh, interest was that they will be discipled so much so that they will exude fruit that is resulting from their spiritual labor. Amen? When he talks about grace when Paul is talking about grace, there are many different components of grace. And we don't really focus in on that, you know. Uh, there is grace for every situation. Some of us only think about grace as you got saved. Then there's some of us only think about grace for me to do what I need to do. Okay? All right. First of all, I'm going to um, give you some Ideas about grace. The, the first grace is about salvation, because without grace, we wouldn't be saved. You didn't get saved because you made a decision. You got saved because the Holy Spirit was drawing you, and then there was enough grace there that make you have sis enough to to accept it and say yes. Without grace, you don't have enough sense to accept or know when the Holy Spirit is drawing and pulling on you. Amen? Uh, Ephesians 2.8, we're going to be using a a lot of different scriptures, but Ephesians 2.8 represents um, that salvation grace. Okay, and it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Grace is is a gift, faith is a gift, salvation is a gift. Everything is a gift because you don't do anything to earn it, you just receive it. Gifts are freely given and, and, and and they don't come back and take it back from you. So Jesus freely gave, us grace to be able to receive by a faith that we can't explain or understand. That's why these cults try to put you into a corner to want make you philosophize so that you can explain something that it only takes faith to receive. And if you can't explain it, they will try to talk you out of your own belief. Amen. So if you're not equipped enough to have that conversation, don't have it. I'm not interested. All I know Amen. is Jesus and him Amen. crucified Amen. and Amen. let it go. Amen. Okay. All right. Then there's the grace called God's favor on a believer. Let's go over to Romans 5 and it's verse 2. And it says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So, okay. Okay. Let me do one, because then it'll make more sense. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Glory. This is powerful to me. First of all, it was grace that got us there. And it's grace that's keeping us there. And it's grace that's going to allow us to work what he's given us, to work okay so he says because of his grace we now can rejoice in a hope of his glory because of his grace we will be able to glorify him on the earth so we have hope we're not hopeless people No matter what's going on, we're not hopeless people because we have the hope of of the glory of Jesus Christ, which means God has given us enough grace to do some things that magnify his name and glorify his presence in the earth, okay? Then we have an unusual blessing produced by God's favor, produced by God's grace, okay? Okay. An unusual blessing produced by God's favor. Ephesians 3, 8. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints? This is Paul. Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? Now, Paul is saying, the reason he's saying, I am least than the least of saints is because he was a chief sinner and he was crucifying Christians because of their belief before Jesus got a hold of him. So he's like making himself the poster child of a sinner. He says, and yet God has given me grace to be able to preach this gospel and bring out unsearchable riches of Christ. That means the mysteries of who Christ is. God has given me the grace to do that. So you see, it's not about your qualifications. It's not about how holy you think you are. It's not about whether you think you are worthy because there is no one worthy. There's no one qualified. That is not what, what gets you into position to be used. It is your desire because you love God to let him use you any way he chooses. You, you. even though you may have some talents, and the talents is not the same as spiritual gifts. Even though you may have some talents, and you may have some education, and you have, may have some spiritual gifts, without the grace of God, none of it is going to work to the edification of believers, the glorification of Jesus Christ, and the sanctification of your soul. Without the grace of God using you operating through you, because even with what you think you come to the plate with, He uses that above and beyond your understanding, yes. and that's what this this verse is is saying. That is through Him that you're able to come into the understanding, come into the mysteries of things that are unsearchable and just uh, awe and you can't prove it to anybody. Amen. But guess what? You don't have to. Because when you let the grace of God use you, there is an anointing on you to be able to convince people by this word when you speak it. The anointing is on the word. The anointing is on you so that there is power and the people can't resist the power of Jesus Christ. But see, if you're going in, in, in your flesh, in your power, in your might, it's not gonna happen but when you go in the spirit of the living God his spirit can do something to that word that penetrates unbelievers and bring a change that will open up their understanding to bring a change just speak the truth that's the grace of God and then there's a grace stored up to help well what is that that's the grace that comes upon you to even do ministry because, without grace, you can't do ministry without the grace of God, I can't teach and preach without the grace without the grace of God, none of the things we do, we will be able to do it without the grace of God. Amen. without the grace of God, you can't even clean this place right. That's ministry because we're making it trying to keep it comfortable, free of germs and clean for when people come in so that they can think about the word and not worry about if they're going to be contaminated or bothered by any kind of filth, because even before uh, the the virus, this particular flu came out, before that came out, you you know, we should have been concerned about cleanliness and germs. Now, all of a sudden, we're so particular about germs and being contaminated. Germs has been here forever. And it's going to be here. We should have been watching about being clean. Amen. All the stuff they're telling us to do now, Amen. that should have been normal. Amen. When you co- go to the bathroom publicly, Amen. wash your hands. Amen. Okay? Amen. Sneeze in your arm, not out in the air. Amen. You know, all of these things is just natural, everyday things that sh- we should have been doing in the first place. And it took coronavirus for people to start doing it. And coronavirus is, is just another flu bug. And that you're going to find out more and more. What those folks say, you'll come to understand it better by and by. Okay? I know people don't want to hear nothing I have to say about the coronavirus, the flu. Uh, the peace that, that equips you to do what God has uh, called you, appointed you to do, and anointed you to do. Okay? That's the kind of grace. Uh, that a lot of people know about that, and some people don't. Some people are arrogant enough to think they got it going on so much that they're great. Let me tell you, we're 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 nothing. Amen. The Bible says there's no good thing in the flesh. Amen. We are only great because we have surrendered and our our will to the Lord. We come humbly, and we come with fear, and trembling to work out our salvation. When you are serving God in whatever area that God has gifted you, that's your salvation. You're supposed to work that out with fear and trembling. Do you realize that? That's our salvation. When we humble ourselves before the Lord and we go in fear and in trembling in spite of, you're working out your salvation. Our salvation is to serve Jesus Christ. It's not just a ticket to go to heaven. Amen. It's to serve the Lord while we're here on earth. Yes. So we find that, that peace is employed in a variety of ways in the scripture. Now, let's go into uh, some other ways. It's opposite of war. And Let's go to Revelation 6, 4. This... Uh, Prayerfully, we're going to learn something. It is, this is not just for you to feel good. We're going to learn some stuff that's going to equip us to be able to fight the good fight of faith and to stand against the wiles of the devil. Amen? Revelation 6, 4, okay, shows how it's the opposite of war. And I can't help but to read 3, 2. <laughs> and when he have opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that set thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And, and there was given unto him a great sword. OK, so what did this mean? That horse that was red was symbolizing a time for war. Peace wasn't operating. there was a time for war, OK? Okay, so then when it says and the power was given to him, that him is the spirit of Antichrist. It was a spirit of, of, of Antichrist that was given where he was going to was going to cause so many problems and and um and and, and 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 kill people. They were gonna be killing one another because you you see you can only go so far before the spirit of the Lord comes in, and when he comes in then he, he brings you, so you're so confused, you begin to kill each other. The enemy began to kill each other. Amen? And so this, this proclaims the fact that more people will be killed during the time of the great tribulation than at any other time frame in history. Now we are worrying about how many people that they, have, they say have died during this pandemic, it will not even measure up to how many who will die during the time of tribulation, which is what we need to be preparing ourselves for, because we are in the last days. Amen? Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so although the antichrist is reaping havoc and everything else, he cannot supersede what God is going to do and that's why we have to stay encouraged and keep our focus on him because in spite of what we're seeing and what we're hearing greater is our Lord and if we keep our focus on him keep our heart meditating meditating and praying on him he will keep us encouraged where we will win at the end we won't lose we will win at the end but if our focus Is not on him, but it's more on what's going on in the world. And we, we believe that and receive that in spite of what God is saying because we're not listening and we can't hear God. We're not hearing him. We're not reading his word. We're not being encouraged by his word. We're not understanding who he is and the times that we're in. There's a time and a season for everything. This is a particular time. And it's not a time for you to put your hope and your confidence in what man can do. Amen. Amen. It's a time to put your hope and your confidence in what God is going to do. Because God created the seasons. God ke- created the times. He created the purpose because he created everything in this universe. Amen. Amen. And so some of the stuff that we're seeing is the result of what man did, has not done or believed and so we have to do some suffering. Another variety of peace is harmony and, conc- and concord with others. So that is Ephesians 4, verse 3. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Paul is talking to the church. Because the only way that we will have peace on earth is to have Jesus Christ. Because he told us in Matthew, I didn't come to bring peace to this earth. I came to bring a variance. And my sword, which is his word, is going to divide believers from unbelievers. Amen. And so he says that the church uh, needs to lean into what the spirit is doing because the spirit is endeavoring to keep the unity among us and keep the bond of peace between us. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But if you're not yielded to the Holy Spirit, you can't do that. Let me tell you, our flesh and our emotions will automatically dictate how we're going to respond or what we're going to do to certain things. But if you yield to the Holy Spirit, he'll take you in a different direction that will keep the unity and will keep the peace. But we have been led by the flesh so long that we think because we thought of it, it's okay, it, that's, you know, that's the first thing that came up in my mind. And so I said it, and I did it. Well, that don't make it right. Because your mind is, is made up of your soul. Your soul is still broken. Your soul is still messed up. That's what's, why it takes so much work and God is working on us. Remember, we're supposed to be doing an exchange. We're supposed to be getting His fruit, and in exchange, He takes our mess. That means your soul. Now, just because you're saved, don't think you've made it. There's a work. There's a work. What did He say? Work out your own salvation? There is a work. And, and, and we need to be mindful of that work and not take so much stuff for granted. So we have to surrender our will. Surrender our way unto the Lord so that he can com- complete what he's begun in us. Yeah. It began yeah. at salvation. It doesn't end at salvation. Yeah. It's a constant working. Yeah. We will not arrive on this side of heaven. Amen. We will only arrive into perfection when Jesus comes back yeah. to get us because yeah. he perfects us. Amen. But just by coming up and getting us, not because of anything we done. Amen okay another form of grace appears in health and welfare now let's go to first corinthians 16 11. health and welfare now are you all listening to all these different peace and grace that god has for us okay because that means there are things that you can declare and not just start homesteading with sickness and and all of this what see we all struggle and have things we come up against, yeah. okay? But there's a warfare that's going on. That means you've got to be yeah. battling all the time. You're yeah. battling your own mind yeah. all the time to yeah. not embrace yeah. what's being put yeah. before you. Yeah. Because I know uh, mankind, human nature will say, well, that's just how it is, so you just need to accept it. No, no I don't. And I'm not until Jesus tells me to accept it. I'm going to fight it until the very end. Amen. Because that is the working out your salvation, yeah. that when you stand against the things that are coming against you. Amen? Yeah. So there's grace for us to battle for health and welfare. First Corinthians 16, verse 11. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. Okay, that, verse 10 goes with that. Now if Timaethus comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. He says, let no man therefore despise him, but conduct or send him forth in peace, in peace, that he may come unto me for I look for him with, with the brethren. And he says, I am waiting for him to come back with the brethren with a good report. So he says, because of Timothy's youth, let no one intimidate him or refer to his youth as inexperience. All right, okay, now this, this is more powerful than y'all can see. He says, because of his youth, Don't look down upon him. Don't try to intimidate him or just look, oh, he's young uh, and he's not experienced. Baby, it has nothing to do with your age or your longevity as a Christian. It has everything to do with your yielding to the spirit of the living God to do what he will to do in you and through you. And he uses whom he chooses. There are children sometimes that are saying things that you need to be listening because it's done by the Spirit of the Living God. And you don't wait till they get grown and put them in positions in church to do things because it's too late then, because now the world has formed them. So we have to start with them when they're little and then give them assignments, give them charge to do things that you think is supposed to be for an adult. Well, some adults aren't stepping up to the plate anyway. So do you think I'm going to let his work go undone because we adults are not ready if the children are there? The gift has nothing to do with age or gender. It has everything to do with surrendering your will and your way to the Lord. And as young people, they don't know any different. If you tell them to do something, they just blindly go and do it and trust you're going to be there. Amen? Because that is the grace and peace of God that is upon all of us he has to give it to us in order for us to just obey him and to step forward to do what he's called us to do in order to step into the deep remember when Peter was on the boat and and Jesus bid him to come and walk the water he didn't have no skills for walking water but he kept his eyes on the Lord And he chose to obey, so he just began to walk forward. As long as he kept his eyes on the Lord, he didn't drown. But the moment he took his eyes off of God, he began to sink. See, that's our issue. We don't put our eyes on the Lord. We got our eyes everywhere else because common sense tells me. But what is God saying about this, which blows your common sense out of the water, because there's two kinds of wisdom. There's wisdom from above and wisdom from below. And your common sense sometimes is coming from below when it conflicts with the wisdom of above. It may make a whole lot of sense because see, God is not trying to make sense to you. He's trying to give you victory. And in order to have victory, two and two ain't always equal four. It may equal 10 or 20. Amen. Amen? That's why we have to keep our eyes on him and follow him in order for us to accomplish what we need to accomplish and stop putting him in the box you got yourself in because of your common sense. Amen? Okay, so uh, the next uh, piece comes from uh, salvation in the Lord, which means we have peace with God. Romans 5.1. There's a difference between peace with God and peace in God. Glory, glory, glory! I don't know, but you all, but I'm I'm enjoying this. I know you. It ain't enough for you to be jumping and shouting, but maybe you need to just hear sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Romans five one says. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See this kind of peace. It's not about a feeling. It's about a true fact. And that is that God and a believer are no longer at enmity, but now have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus. This is a standing, not a feeling. So you have to, right, you have to have it. I got it. You got to have it in your heart so it can penetrate your head that. You have peace with God. You are no longer estranged to God. You have peace with God. You've been reconciled to God, so you have peace with God. God is at peace with you, and you're no longer his enemy. Okay, now, you remember uh, Galatians 5, and we're going to begin with 16. It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're walking in the Spirit... The flesh can't overpower. For the flesh lusted against the spirit, that means it's an enemy against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. The spirit is an enemy against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now, before salvation, we were enemies to the Lord. Now, after salvation, we are no longer his enemies but we are his children and we are his friends. Because of that, we have free gifts that comes with this and his grace starts to operate over us and upon us because we are in grace with him. That peace with God can only come through salvation. Without salvation... You don't have peace with God. Now, that may sound strange, because I know you've got some friends and relatives who's talking, throwing the God word around and talking about all this and all of that. They're deceived. And if you buy that, so are you, because without Jesus Christ, you don't have peace with God. Without Jesus Christ, you don't have peace with God. Jesus Christ made it where we can have peace with God when he took the cross and then shed his blood, that allow us to have peace with God, and then after having peace with God, we can have peace in God. He is our refuge, our fortress. We can retreat into him. The Lord is a high habitation that the righteous, not anyone else, that the righteous run into, and then they can be safe. So that's where our peace comes, is that we can enter into the Lord, something that a nonbeliever cannot do. Amen? And so if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you won't have that kind of peace. Because he says, if you if you know me, you know the Father. If you know the Father, you know me. But I've come to do the work of the Father. So if you don't accept Jesus, you are not saved. And that is one of the peace that we get through salvation by having peace with God. And, and now... Um, uh, the last point about the piece is in, in uh, verse 2 refers to tranquility, a mind that frees the Christian, Christians from fear and anxiety. This piece refers to tranquility. That means that your mind has been free because of your Christianity, your salvation, from fear and anxiety. So you're saying, well, yeah, but I feel it all the time. That's your will. Right. Remember I said you got to fight the good fight of faith? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we go back over to Philippians uh, 4. See, the enemy don't want us to understand the strategies. Yeah. To fight so that we don't lose but that we win and we can stay hopeful he doesn't want us to know that so so just even with with this message if it's not one of them hot fiery ones you're not interested this is a learning so this is a tool so in Philippians 4 verse 6 says be careful for nothing Don't be anxious for anything, but take whatever that thing is that's coming against you that caused you to be anxious, to be fearful, and, to, and be fretful. Take it to the Lord in prayer and supplication. So it means form a prayer that you can pray every day, all day, with thanksgiving so that God's peace can come upon you and, 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 and keep you and guard your heart to the point that you won't be able to understand it how it's working and no one else will. Amen. So you have to work it. See, that's the other thing. We want everything to be. And have a prayer line, i anoint you and you got peace, yes. you got joy. No, that's called working out your salvation. Mm-hmm. But you can do it by prayer. You cannot just pray over your food, 911 when you're in trouble. Prayer is a constant thing. So you get up. If you, let me tell you, if you are awakened through the night, which that happens to me sometimes, and, and your spirit is disturbed, you pray. You don't try to find a sleeping pill or try to figure out why you can't sleep. Just start to pray. And if, and if you don't fall back to sleep after that, begin to read your word. I bet you you'll fall asleep then. Yeah. But sometimes God is awaking you to pray, to counteract something that's trying to come against you or somebody else that you got to intercede for. And when you pray, it brings peace even though you don't hear the solution. Because he's not going to always give you that solution. We want him to tell us, no. But he will give you the peace. And when he gives you the peace, then that's to let you know there is a solution. Is either manifested or it's going to be manifested. But you don't have to fret about it. It's done. It's over. I got it. And that's when he gives us peace. Even when you don't know what the outcome is going to be, but what you do know is in His hand. And if it's in His hand, it's going to be good and everybody's going to be victorious. Because God generally works more than one thing in one thing, He'll take one thing and work out several things. Amen. And so that's why Paul is telling us take it to God, go in prayer. Supplicate with him, give it, make it a petition, and thank him as if you have already received it, and watch won't his peace come upon you and over and overtake you. Amen. Amen. Uh, Back to uh, Colossians, Uh, the prayer of Paul, which is what we get into when uh, in verse nine. Okay, I'm going to read that and prayerfully we can break this down. This book. This book is is more into it than I realized. I thought I was going to get through all 20 verses. Um, Verse 9, this is when uh, when Paul begins to intercede on behalf of the Colossian church. He says, for this cause, not only him, but also the other fellow servants that are working with him, with that church. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Okay? Now, this prayer of Paul lets us know that you can never arrive into perfection on this side of heaven, no matter how great you may think you are. Also, you should never be satisfied with your growth and maturity you should never stop seeking to grow and to come up higher, okay? You're never going to arrive, but you need to, no matter how high you think you've arrived, you need to keep striving for greater, for excellence, for perfection. This is what the Lord tells us to do, to strive for perfection so that when he comes back, we don't miss him because perfection only comes when he comes back for individual. How we become perfected here on Earth is that everyone in this room who belongs to Jesus Christ, and that would be all of us, okay, through salvation, are faithful to the purpose that we were created, and we're doing it, and when we all do it, it fits like a perfect puzzle, and that's called perfection in Christ. Individually, we're not perfected, until Jesus comes back, okay? So therefore, we cannot be satisfied. We have to work out our faith, and work it, and when we work it, it produces patience. You know, like, oh, I'm a very patient person. Oh, okay, uh-huh. all right. well, let me let, let me, okay, let me just read the scripture so you see where it's fitting. He says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of, all, of his will. That's the will of God and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. See, if, if you obey by faith, which means you're operating on the knowledge that's being presented to you, when you obey it, then you grow in wisdom and your understanding becomes fulfilled. Okay? He says, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all, pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, you will increase when you walk by faith and not by sight. And when you walk by faith and in patience, you are producing good fruit. Now, the working of one's faith produces patience. Patience isn't waiting, doing nothing. Because, see, when people say, oh, I'm very patient because I'm not moving, I'm not doing nothing, I'm not saying anything, that's not patience. We can think of another word called that. (laughs) Patience is worked in us by faith, which means I don't understand it, nor do I feel it, but you said it, Lord, and I will do it. The good results increase from you obeying God there are good results that r- results from your obedience those good results then increases your faith as you see how your obedience did something great the uh, allow the lord to do something great it increases your faith to continue mm-hmm. to to obey no yeah. matter how hard yeah. the next job gets How challenging the next job gets, because your faith cannot increase if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. He wants to challenge us. He wants us to increase. So this job may be on this level, and I walked in faith and stood, and God showed himself strong. Now the next challenge is going to be greater, and it's going to take more faith, and that's what the Bible means when it says you go from faith to faith and glory to glory. You do not stand at a standstill. Don't be satisfied with the one little thing that you have mastered for him now. And then somebody challenges you to do something different that uh, that you have never done before, and you think, well, that's not my thing. You're putting God in a box, in the same box that you're in. God is trying to pull you up higher. And you can't get there when you're playing it safe. Amen. And that's the kind of patience that people say, well, I'm just waiting. Mm, okay, you just keep waiting. And when Jesus returned and he asked, how come you didn't do thus and so, I want to know what your answer is going to be then. And, and, when, you, and when, you, when God speaks to you, you also need to know, That every time he speaks to you to do something, it's not an audible voice, his audible voice telling you directly. He sometimes speaks to you through other people, but you don't want to receive it because you're so highly spiritual. So you think. The Lord speaks through his word more than direct speaking. He speaks through his word more than directly speaking to you. He usually... We usually fall in sin waiting to hear him speak instead of searching his word for the truth I, I haven't heard from the Lord so no because he you haven't heard a direct uh, audible voice with you. no, God speaks through His word. So seek him through his word, and you will get an, you will get your answer and directions before you' waiting just to hear God speak directly to you and f- and, fr- and furthermore. What makes you think you can tell God how to speak to you? No, I ain't receiving that. No, uh-uh, uh-uh, because I didn't hear from you, Lord. So until you, I hear from you, Lord, I ain't moving. Well, search the scriptures to see if what's, what's been told to you fall in line. Amen. Because when you do that, now you're going to hear from God. Amen. But because you, 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 you're acting out of religion, no, you ain't going to hear nothing. Be, be, because God don't flow with religion. You flow with spirituality. So Paul says that you might walk worthy of the Lord. He's prayed these other two so that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When we're fruitful in the work that we're doing because we're doing it out of humility and obedience, then our knowledge does increase in who God is because you get to see God in different other kinds of personalities that you can't see him just by being one way. When we stretch ourselves to do and go in the direction that God is telling us, we're getting to see the different components of his personality. Yeah. Because people always want to talk about what well, God is love. God is love. Yes, he is. He's also a man of judgment. Yeah. Chastening. Yeah. He's have other personalities. And we, we, we did that the other day when we talked about the, the uh, trium God, the deity of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They all have unique personalities that they do, and you're going to miss God looking for one trait. Amen? Amen? Okay. And um, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. And we don't talk about the patience, so we don't have to go through this in, anymore. That means how you have worked your faith by grace. Your patience is how you have worked your faith by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Okay, verse 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which have made us to meet to be partakers of of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, that is also a grace position that we, we can thank God that he brings us all together and we are partakers of, of all the things that we can inherit from the Lord as saints who are in the light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, by the blood, the cross of Jesus Christ, First of all, we were delivered from the power of darkness. That means the darkness that comes to visit us and mess with us, we've been delivered from him. And we can declare that, okay? Not only have we been delivered from that, but we've been translated from the world's kingdom to the kingdom of God. We're in a different kingdom. So two, th- two major things happened. We got translated and we got transformed, okay? He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of his sin. My God, we have been forgiven of all of the sins we have committed and will commit. And and when we commit a sin, see, you need to understand that. If we wasn't redeemed when we commit a sin, we couldn't ask for forgiveness. See, unbelievers can't do that. Unbelievers who do not know Jesus Christ cannot be forgiven for sin. They can't even confess it until they're ready to accept Jesus Christ. Do y'all understand that? So we have a a special heritage that when we sin, we can ask for forgiveness and confess that sin. And God said, I will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. These are are all benefits because we were redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And you remind yourself of that redemption when you confess it with your mouth by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. This is why it's important that we must say and, and speak. And when I say that, not quote the word by prayer. God, I thank you and quote the word that shows your redemption. Stop just going along in, in your head. Begin to say, because when you say it, it gets the power of Satan off of your life when he comes to to kill, steal, and destroy. So when you say, because when you say, you're telling who you are, and when you tell who you are, based on how you got to be who you are, which was by the cross and the blood, Satan can't handle that, and he can't handle the word. So when you speak it out, he has to flee. Now, I really want to, for us to learn and to teach, not so much that preach. All right, we're kind of close. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I pray for traveling mercies as you go about the rest of your day. I hope you have a blessed day and tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.